This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, female-female sex, dominance and submission, including light bondage and impact play, and references to wartime violence. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 331. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I am Chris Lester, the creator of the Metamore City story universe. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you and tell you the latest on my life and my writing. So let's get started, shall we? Here is this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 14 of Honor Bound by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, don't start here. Go back to Episode 318 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. In last week's episode, Honor and Natasha decided to take advantage of Natasha's sudden unemployment. Neither one of them could forget their encounter in Natasha's quarters the previous night, and Honor was deeply curious about this new world of power exchange to which Natasha had introduced her. After negotiating some conditions and boundaries, they entered the scene, and Natasha became the mistress, while Honor became her willing servant. Natasha ordered Honor to go get her mother's amulet and put it on. At first, Honor questioned this, which gave Natasha the opportunity to give her little sub her first punishment. Honor felt a rush of euphoria as she submitted to Natasha's riding crop, which gave her mingled feelings of shame and excitement. She went and obeyed Natasha's order, sneaking back to her own rooms and putting on the necklace. Once she had done so, Honor immediately found herself thinking of Natasha as mistress, sinking completely into the submissive role she had accepted. Back in the guest room, she knelt obediently between mistress's legs and ate her out. Honor was a quick study, and soon Natasha was coming hard under the care of Honor's hands and mouth. You did very, very well, little one, Natasha said, as she took command of Honor's body once again. So well, in fact, that I think you deserve a reward. Honor Bound The House of Bellevue Book One Written by L.C. Williams Narrated by Vivian Ferrari Chapter 14 Dinner Guests The rest of the afternoon was spent in the sort of lazy dissipation that the nobility were famous for, but that Natasha herself had never before experienced. Honor persuaded her that the job hunt could wait until tomorrow, so they lounged in bed and snuggled and talked about everything 
and nothing. The maids brought afternoon tea and left it discreetly on a cart outside the door. Honor rolled it inside and set up the tea service on a little table near the window, which was apparently there for just this purpose. Natasha was sure that she and Honor were now the latest subject of gossip, but Honor did not seem concerned, despite her earlier worries about keeping their activities a secret. The kitchen girls aren't a problem, she said when Natasha asked about it. She poured tea for both of them, then added a few biscuits and finger sandwiches to her plate. They love a good rumor, but they have overactive imaginations, and everyone knows it. It's Mabel and my father's men that I worry about, but we should be all right, as long as we don't do anything untoward in front of them. She raised her eyebrows meaningfully and bit into a cucumber sandwich. Natasha frowned. What is untoward? She tried to break the word into its parts. Toward is moving in front of, da? So untoward is, what, moving away? Honor laughed. She had a glorious laugh, louder and deeper than Natasha would have expected for such a little thing. And unlike when the guards at Hassan Manor had laughed at her, Natasha did not feel like she was being ridiculed. Obviously she had guessed wrong about the word, but she wanted to make Honor laugh more, so she expanded on the idea. Ah, yes, this is very sensible, she said, grinning. We must be sure to move toward your lady's maid when I am fucking you. Never away. Perhaps we should move bed to face toward door, in case she is out in hallway. Honor laughed so hard that she nearly fell out of her chair. Then she leaned over the little table, blue eyes sparkling, and kissed Natasha hard on the lips. You can fuck me in any position you like, she purred, and she flashed a wicked smile at her own use of the word. Just as long as no one else is around. Natasha ran her hand behind Honor's head and gripped a fistful of her hair. Honor gasped and bent her neck back, exposing her throat, but her eyes still danced with pleasure. Such language for little lady, Natasha said in a scolding tone. She kissed Honor's throat, then opened her mouth wide and gripped it lightly between her teeth. She just barely grazed the skin, careful not to leave a lasting mark, but the sensation still made Honor moan with excitement. The sound made Natasha's own pussy throb in sympathy. Maybe I should punish you for such rudeness. She drew Honor back and looked at her to judge her reaction to this. The girl's eyes were dilated, and a flush had filled her cheeks. You do realize the tea will get cold, she said, her tone playful. Natasha reached up and tweaked one of her nipples, which made her yelp in surprise. Then I will just have to punish you for that, too. Honor bit her bottom lip. When she looked up at Natasha, there was a heat there that could have set the tea boiling again. Do your worst, ma'am. Natasha's grin broadened. Oh, is that challenge? In the opposite corner of the room, there was a hook mounted to the ceiling. It was intended for hanging potted plants, but Natasha found that it was quite sturdy.
She stripped Honor naked, bound her wrists together, and hung her from the hook, just low enough that the girl could stand on tiptoes. She blindfolded her with a scarf and put the ball gag in her mouth. You will not be able to use safe word, she said. So if you need to stop, tap three times on floor with right foot, da? Uh-huh, Honor said, nodding. With Honor securely bound, Natasha spent the next half hour or so introducing her to each of the toys in her collection. She decorated Honor's ass in stripes of red, from whips and paddles and reeds and crops. She broke up the play with other kinds of stimulation, tickling her with feathers, stroking with fingers, kissing and biting all over her bare flesh. Honor wriggled and moaned and squealed into her gag, delightfully responsive to everything Natasha did to her. When she was done, Natasha rewarded her. She knelt in front of Honor, draped the girl's legs over her shoulders, and ate her pussy until she came screaming into her gag. Then she took her down, carried her over to the bed, and showed her the wonders of the double-ended dildo. By the time Natasha groaned out her own orgasm, Honor was drenched in sweat and nearly boneless. But when Natasha took off her gag and blindfold, the girl kissed her as hard and as fervently as when they had begun. It was good then, Natasha asked with a chuckle. Gods and goddesses, Honor moaned, letting her head sink back down into the pillow. I want to do this every day for the rest of my life. You would be too sore to sit down, Natasha cautioned. Honor spread her arms wide on the bed. Then I shall lie here and be your plaything forever, she announced. Natasha laughed, a deep, full-throated belly laugh. She couldn't remember the last time she'd laughed like that. She couldn't remember the last time she'd had a reason to. She ran a hand fondly and possessively down the length of Honor's naked body, or as much as she could reach when she was sitting beside Honor's torso, which, frankly, was most of it. She traced a circle around one breast, then down to Honor's navel, then brushed lightly over the thatch of pubic hair below it. I think I could get used to that, she said. A moment later, there was a knock at the door. Milady, a woman's voice called. Are you in there, love? Beneath her hand, Natasha felt Honor's muscles clench with sudden tension. Yes, I'm here, Mabel, Honor called. She was trying for an air of calm authority, but Natasha heard the quaver underneath. What is it? We are in the midst of a rather serious conversation. Begging your pardon, milady. Mabel said. It's just I'm to dress you for dinner. Your Lord Father's bringing some guests back, you see, and everyone's meant to be looking their best. They'll be here in less than two hours. Honor sat bolt upright, her eyes wide with alarm. Why was I not told of this earlier? She demanded. We didn't know, milady, Mabel said, sounding miserable. He just sent a footman back with the word not ten minutes ago. The downstairs staff are scrambling, Eli, bless them. The lady's maid continued nattering in this vein, but Honor was already out of bed and frantically searching for her underthings. 
Natasha had not been particularly careful when she removed them, and the underskirt and chemise had gotten kicked under the bed. Honor wriggled halfway underneath it to retrieve them, and her ass made motions that Natasha would have found enjoyable in another context. Natasha put her undershirt and jacket back on, then helped Honor back into her sundress. Thank you, Honor said, but her face was drawn with worry, and she did not look at Natasha as she said it. The smiling, laughing girl had once more disappeared inside the lady. Her eyes were distant as she turned to the mirror and pulled her hair back into some semblance of a bun. Natasha busied herself by putting away her toys and making the bed. Here, at least, her military training was good for something. By the time Honor was ready to leave, there was no sign of their earlier activities. Natasha stood back in a parade rest as Honor glided to the door. I suppose I will see you at dinner, then, she said, smiling hopefully. Honor's lips pressed together in a hard line. Natasha could see some unspoken calculation running behind her eyes. Mabel? she asked, cutting the maid off in the middle of a complaint about flower arrangements. What sort of guests did Father say he was bringing? Oh, um, I believe they were friends of the General's milady. Soldiers, then? Honor pressed. I think so, miss. The tension in Honor's face relaxed slightly. She turned back to Natasha. Wear the dress uniform, she said, her tone brooking no argument. And the medals. I'll send a maid to see to your hair. Still taken aback by Honor's sudden transformation, Natasha just nodded. Then Honor unlocked the door, pulled it open, and showed Mabel a polite, insincere smile. Thank you so much for waiting for us, she said. I am at your disposal, Mabel, dear. The short, round woman looked her up and down, fretted loudly about several aspects of her appearance, and then took Honor's elbow and ushered her away, out of their little haven of fantasy, and back to what passed for the real world. Natasha sighed and left the room in the opposite direction, heading for the bathroom. A cold shower, she decided, was very much in order. Despite all of Mabel's fretting, the staff seemed to have done an admirable job of getting the apartment in order. As Natasha descended the main staircase and made her way to the drawing room, she didn't see a spot of dust or a smudge of dirt anywhere. The smell of something heavenly wafted from the kitchens, and her stomach rumbled in anticipation. There were even fresh flowers in all the vases. The drawing room was about twenty by thirty feet, with large windows on the long side that faced the street. Three couches and an assortment of chairs sat in front of the windows on large Kellaware rugs, grouped around low tables to create small discussion areas. Sideboards along the two shorter walls held drinks, while a table against the interior wall had been set with trays of sliced fruit, crudités, cold cuts, cheeses, crackers, and other light appetizers. Music came from a wax cylinder phonograph in the back corner of the room, a curiosity Natasha had only seen twice before, since House Hassan was wealthy enough to hire live music whenever the Duke desired it. The sound coming from the contraption's flaring metal horn was tinny and interspersed with clicks and pops from imperfections on the cylinder, but she supposed it was pleasant enough. 
certainly it must have been more convenient than trying to find musicians on such short notice. Natasha counted fourteen other people in the room, but she and Lady Honor were the only women present. There was only a single androgyne, a gray-haired airship captain whose dress uniform held six rows of service ribbons. They were in a fully masculine form this evening, their clean-shaven face the only outward sign of their gender. The rest of the guests were all men, none of them younger than forty, and most of them wore dress uniforms from the Army, Navy, or Air Corps. Nearly all were officers, though Natasha did see two sergeants major and a naval quartermaster in the group. The fact that they were all wearing their rank insignia meant that they were either still in active service or had retired with their full pensions. None of them were discharged veterans like Natasha. As soon as she realized this, she began to feel self-conscious. Honor had intended her dress uniform to help her blend in, but with no rank insignia, she was as much an outsider in this group as Honor herself. There was no help for it, though. The lady had invited her, and it would be rude and cowardly for her to go upstairs and hide in her room. So, wearing her medals and service ribbons like armor, she stepped into the room and went to Honor's side. Honor saw her coming, and smiled broadly as she approached. Ah, oh, excellent, she said, spreading a hand in Natasha's direction. The two men she was conversing with, an army captain and a navy lieutenant commander, turned and raised their eyebrows in polite inquiry, waiting to be introduced. Natasha saw the navy man's eyes widen slightly as he took in her impressive height and broad shoulders. Miss Volkova, Honor said, please allow me to introduce Commander Isaac Matthews and Captain Reginald Bath. Gentlemen, this is my friend and guest, Miss Natasha Volkova. Natasha stood at attention and saluted the men crisply. Sirs. The two officers returned her salute gravely. The lieutenant commander, as the more senior officer, nodded to her. As you were, soldier. Natasha relaxed into an at-ease posture. Captain Barth was standing on her left side, closer to her service ribbons, and he gestured to one of them. You were at a vein, I see. 91st Infantry. Natasha nodded. Yes, sir. 382nd Regiment. The Iron Griffins, Barth said approvingly. You kids got the thick of it, didn't you? A series of images rose up out of Natasha's nightmares, of soldiers maimed and mutilated by landmines, of men choking to death in clouds of poison gas, of charges across no man's land under withering fire, of brutal knife fights in the trenches. She blinked back the parade of horrors and tried to focus on the man standing in front of her. He was smiling pleasantly, just making conversation. If he knew that he had just invoked some of the darkest memories of her life, he gave no sign of it. These men did not see the war, she realized. Not the way I saw it. Not up close. It was difficult, sir, she said at last. So I hear, Commander Matthews said, in that same infuriatingly conversational tone. I dare say you earned those medals, soldier. Well done. Well done, Natasha thought. 
the whole Songafield campaign had been pointless. They'd fought in the trenches for two years, the lines had barely moved fifty miles, and then the balefire had ended the war by wiping Telvar off the map. Everything Natasha's regiment had done, all the killing and dying, had been rendered moot by one devastating spell on the other side of the planet. But these officers hadn't been witness to any of that. The smoking ruins of an entire country, like the thousands of soldiers buried at Havane, were purely theoretical to them. Something they read about in wire dispatches or after-action reports. Natasha looked over at Honor and saw the lady's eyes had gone wide with alarm. Only then did she realize that she was clenching her fists, so tightly that she could feel her fingernails digging into her palms. Deliberately, she forced her hands to relax. Thank you, sir, Natasha said. They all looked at her a moment, as if waiting for her to say something more. She couldn't imagine what they were expecting. Did they want to hear some tale of heroism? Something suitably patriotic and inspiring. She could tell them how she'd gotten her order of valor, but the last time she'd done that the people at the bar had gone ashen and at least one of them had thrown up. The people in Metamore City did not seem to know how to handle war stories. Maybe Natasha just told them wrong. In any case, she did not think she should tell that story at Lord Bellevue's dinner party. I am thirsty, she said instead. Please excuse me. She turned and walked to the refreshments table at the far side of the room. She reached for a bottle of wine, stopped herself, and took the pitcher of water instead. The heavy crystal trembled in her hand as she poured herself a glass. Liat, she muttered, then took a long drink of the water. She started to back away from the table and promptly collided with someone behind her. The water splashed across the front of her jacket, turning the dark green wool almost black. Oh, pardon me, miss, a man's voice said. Are you all right? Natasha turned around and glared at the man. He was stout and wide-shouldered, a head shorter than Natasha, but probably a hundred pounds heavier, with an impressively thick silvery white beard. He was dressed as a civilian, with a paisley brocade waistcoat under a black long coat. His cravat was held in place with an elaborate jeweled pin, and he wore a gold signet ring on his right hand. It was this last that gave Natasha a clue to his identity. She felt the anger drain out of her face. Lord Bellevue, she asked. I... I am very sorry, sir. Bellevue waved off the apology. Nonsense, my dear, nonsense. I should be the one apologizing. That's what I get not watching where I'm going. Here now. He pulled a handkerchief out of his pocket and passed it to Natasha. I'm afraid it's not as absorbent as I should like, but it's something. He waved over one of the servants. Gerard, bring our guest a towel, please, and be quick about it. At once, my lord, the servant said and hurried off. Natasha dabbed at her jacket with the handkerchief, trying to soak up as much of the water as possible. She didn't think the dye would run, but it was still embarrassing, and she had made a fool of herself in front of Honor's father and his guests. You must be Natasha, Bellevue said, while they waited for Gerard to return. Honor said she'd invited a guest to stay with us. 
Natasha felt her cheeks redden. This is not how I wanted to introduce myself, she said. Lord Bellevue smiled kindly. Life never runs short of ways to embarrass us, he said. By the time you're my age, either you learn to accept it, or you spend your days being angry and frustrated to no good purpose. He winked at her. And if you're always the first to laugh at yourself, you'll beat your enemies to the punch. That surprised a laugh out of Natasha, and Bellevue chuckled with her. Belatedly, she took a half-step back and bowed to him. It is honor to meet you, sir. Bellevue gave her a bow in return, deeper than Natasha had expected. Likewise, Ms. Volkova, I understand you are looking for work. Yes, sir. I hope it is all right for me to stay here while I look. Bellevue spread his hands, an expansive gesture. Please, my business is keeping me from being here for honor as much as I would like. I'm very glad she's made a friend. The servant came back with a small stack of hand towels, and Natasha accepted them gratefully. Quick work, Bellevue said approvingly. Thank you, Gerard. Of course, sir, Gerard said. He leaned in closer to the Baron and lowered his voice. Simmons asked me to tell you that your speaker has arrived. Bellevue's lips parted in a wide grin. Excellent. Show them in, please. As the servant hurried off to do his master's bidding, Bellevue turned to Natasha with a conspiratorial gleam in his eye. I'm glad you're here for this, Miss Volkova, he confided. I met this fellow last night, and I think they've got some superb ideas, but it would be good to have an enlisted soldier's perspective on it all. Let's talk later, you and I. All right. Natasha had no idea what to say to this. I... I can do that, she stammered. Excellent, Bellevue said again, and walked away from her toward the front of the room. He was met there by a new guest, a feminine-looking androgyne with a stunning hourglass figure. They wore a red-and-black kilt, black satin shirt, lacy white cravat, thick-heeled black leather boots, and a corset of vivid crimson, which showed off their impressively curvy hips and bosom. It was a daring outfit, and in this room full of navy blues and forest greens, it stood out like a signal torch. From the far side of the room... Natasha heard Honor gasp. Lord Bellevue and the Androgyne bowed to each other, then turned to face the group. All conversation ceased at once. Gentlemen, ladies, honored Androgynes, Lord Bellevue said, it is my privilege to introduce to you the scion of House Townsend, Noble Alex. I think you'll all be very interested in what they have to say. And that's the end of Chapter 14. Come back next time, when we'll hear what Noble Alex has to say to Lord Bellevue's assembled guests. The House of Bellevue will be released over 51 weeks, at a rate of one chapter per week. If you'd like to listen to it faster... All three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www.
www.authorlcwilliams.com. Erasmus said, The desire to write grows with writing. So, let's see how I've nurtured that desire this week. It's time for the weekly writing report. This update covers the week of May 28th through June 3rd. I wrote 635 words this week, over the course of one hour, for an average writing speed of 635 words per hour. I wrote on two out of seven days this week. The week after I've finished a new story is always a slow time for my writing. While I waited for feedback on Out of the Shadows from my beta and sensitivity readers, I started rereading Operation Ibex. This is my pulpy spy adventure story starring Artax and Miriam, which takes place during the Interbellum period, about 25 years before the time when the House of Bellevue is set. I wrote about 25,000 words on this story back in 2017 and 2018, before I got stuck and switched to writing Homecoming instead. I'm going back to it now, to see if I feel like picking it back up again and finishing it. Looking back at the month of May, I wrote a total of 8,331 words in 11 days, averaging 757 words per day. That ranks 63rd out of 85 months since I started this show. Compared to April, my word count decreased by 3%, and my writing time decreased by 17%. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.